102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's the way it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward. The phone numbers, you'll need them. 512-834-1027. It's 512-834-1027. You want to follow me on Twitter or X or whatever we're going to call it this week? You can do so. It's at Jeff Ward Show. If you want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, just bring your A-game. Please don't suck. Make the show better if you can. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Uh, check out the podcast we drop each afternoon. Subscribe to it. It's pretty simple. The Jeff Ward Show podcast is available wherever you download your podcasts. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We post to that each afternoon as well. That's Jeff Ward Show on YouTube, even though the host looks like Shrek. So Jim Harbaugh, not surprisingly, is leaving Michigan to coach the L.A. Chargers. That is a franchise that has done practically nothing in recent years. And the amazing thing about the Chargers is maybe un, they may be the only team in this category. They have virtually no fan base whatsoever. None. So Yahoo Sports um, had this headline today about this. And you know a lot of you aren't going to care about Jim Harbaugh, but I'm going to tell you the difference between the NFL and college coaching. And it is it's night and day. So Yahoo Sports, you know, says, hey, Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. You know, why would he leave Michigan? Something to that effect. He's leaving Michigan fresh off a national championship. Now think about all this stuff that's set up, and I think I can explain to you how financially ridiculous coaching at a football factory can be. So he has a 10-year offer from Michigan that was on his desk, has been on his desk since probably the day before they even played for the national championship. They probably scratched out a few things and added more the day after Michigan won the national championship. That's been sitting there. They even added a clause that would mean even if they got punished, were put on probation in some capacity, lost scholarships, were hit with uh, financial penalties, practically anything, he would be granted immunity. So they just handed everything over to the guy. He would get paid at least $11 million a year. And he would have at least 10 years. And you know how that works. Every time you have a good year... They're going to add a few more years. So and the guy easily could have made 11 to $12 million a year for the next 12 to 12 years coaching in Michigan. And let me, let me explain the difference between coaching at a football factory like Michigan or Ohio State or Texas. The money offered to him at Michigan, just like the money offered to coaches at Texas, just like the money offered if you're at Ohio State, it goes further than the NFL. Okay, it's far less expensive, obviously, to live in any of those spots compared to where he's going now. You're given free cars. Your staff is given free cars. You're giving free club memberships, plural. You play golf, country clubs, wherever you want. Uh, you get free use of the jet most of the time. And you get ridiculous benefits for you and your family because they're state schools. Each year, if you coach at a football factory, 
each year you have built in eight to nine wins. They're built in. They're baked in. You don't even have to show up, which he didn't, because he was suspended more games than he coached in the regular season. You have built in eight to nine wins at least every single season. There is far less pressure. And now that he's won a championship, he could have a seven and five season, and there's less pressure. He's at no risk, would be at no risk. Steve Sarkeesian went to championship at Texas. He's at no risk. Get whatever you want, whatever you want. So people are thinking, well, gosh, why, 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 wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you stay? Why wouldn't you keep it? Okay, here's, here's what I think is uh, the, the difference that I think people need to appreciate the difference. Um, He'd be paid, he'll probably be paid, I haven't seen the deal yet, but I think he'll be paid probably $10 million a year to coach the Chargers. Yes. It may be a five-year deal. You may last five years. You have a couple bad years in there, they'll whack you. They don't care. But in the NFL, okay, everyone, no matter what they look like in September, you are two to three injuries away. Three may be stretching it. Probably two. You are two injuries away every single season from a six or seven win season, and it doesn't matter who you are. That's how quickly you come back to the pack. That's how, that's how narrow the margin is in the NFL. He stays at Michigan. He has built in seven wins. In the NFL, you lose two important players. You might only win six. The perks are not nearly what you get in college football. The media pressure is 10 or 20 times what he would face at Michigan. In the NFL, you have to show up at weekly news conferences or you get fined. He'll be living with a salary cap. There's no built-in advantages. The NFL doesn't have built-in advantages. You don't get to pay more for someone else. So he'll be living with a salary cap, of which the team he's going to is over the salary cap now. In fact, they're very much over the salary cap. And most of the money with the Chargers, and this is true of many franchises, most of the money is taken up by four to five players. Financially, coaching at Michigan or Texas is a far better deal financially over the long term. But the difference between the job and the job description, coaching in the NFL and coaching at a football factory, is pretty drastic. Listen to this. When you, when you coach at a college football coaching factory, I'm sorry, football factory, your job is primarily, now almost exclusively, but it's to sell to self-centered, pampered teenage stars and tell them everything they want to hear. That's what you do all day, every day. You tell self-centered, narcissistic, pampered teenage stars, you tell them whatever they want to hear. You promise, they're mostly lies, but you promise these same self-centered, pampered teenage stars and their families, you promise them whatever they want. Just tell them whatever they want to hear. That's what it is. Um, you direct, now, you direct some staff member on your bloated football department staff, because these are the most bloated operations you could ever imagine. It's ridiculous how many bodies and hangers-on and VPs college football programs have. But football factories, not your average program, football factories. 
So, but you direct some staff member to make sure the rich men who give money get these self-centered, pampered teenage stars, whatever they want and need financially. That's again. I'm walk. I'm walking you through the job description. This is what you do. You hire a coaching staff based primarily on their ability to sell to self-centered, pampered teenage stars. You're not hiring the best football scientist. You're hiring the best salespeople who have the best contacts among self-centered, pampered teenage stars. You travel around. You have to, to travel around to speak to various alumni groups because they have a stake in your program. They have ownership in your program, and you have to go tell them what they like to hear. You get paid a ridiculous, typically a ridiculous sum of money to do a weekly TV or radio show that is absolutely horrible. You have no business hosting a show or co-hosting a show or being on a show at all. You're terrible at it, but you're doing it because you get paid a ridiculous sum of money. The person hosting it acts like your best friend, and nobody watches or listens. They suck. They're the worst genre of media I can think of, coaches' shows. But you get paid. In fact, they pay you far more than it's worth because it's not worth anything. There's no audience whatsoever. You convince the self-centered, pampered, teenage star that you promised everything to they and their family you have to now convince that person not to leave your program. That's part of the job, too. A big part of the job. So, you remember the kid that you promised everything in the beginning? You promised the family everything in the beginning. Well, now that kid says, I'm not getting to play as much. I'm not the star that you told me I would be. The stuff you promised me was going to happen isn't happening, and I'm pissed, and I'm going to go somewhere else. Now you have to turn around and that same kid that you sold to before, you have to sell them again not to leave. Because they're whiny. Because you lied to them, probably. And you have a roster full of about 90 players. You have unlimited funds for a bloated coaching staff. And you spend about half your time doing football stuff. You're practically worshipped at the office when you're a football coach at a football factory. You have no bosses, except the rich guys. The university president, if you win, doesn't touch you. Jim Harbaugh could do anything. He could do anything to anybody, and he's untouchable. But the vast majority of that time is not football at all. Now, the NFL. First of all, you've got to understand about the NFL and guys that play in the NFL. And Harbaugh knows this. Look, Harbaugh played a long time. He coached in the NFL, was successful. He was an eyelash away from winning a Super Bowl. So he's not, he's not going into this clueless. So this is why I say a lot of college coaches, you could not pick them up out of the college environment and stick them in the NFL and have them have any clue whatsoever how it operates. Because in college, you are lying and promising self-centered, pampered teenagers everything you can think of. You just tell them whatever they want to hear. In the NFL, you don't say a lot. You know why? Because the guys, the players in the NFL, they will cut someone's heart out for a job. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing and a terrifying thing. But man, between the lines in professional football, nothing else matters. Those guys are trying to make a living. 
a really good living, and they are, they will cut your heart out to get that second contract. You don't have to promise them a whole lot because they don't care. They want to work and they want the job. It's their life. They are playing for a second contract every time. And any one of you would do the same thing if you had, in many cases, you realize how short your lifespan is, how short your career is. Of course, you're going to cut someone's heart out for that second contract. That's how they operate. They're completely different than college players. Um, now they know that if they get that second contract, right, your first contracts, if you're lucky, four or five by mandate, you get that second one, you now survive to your late 20s more than likely. Not always guaranteed. Remember, the average career is about 3.7 years. It's a completely different mindset. It's a completely different way of going to work. It's a completely different, uh, you know, college players are sold and promised things. NFL players aren't promised anything. Nothing. No one cares. Right? No one cares. Um, they're playing for a second contract, and then once they get that second contract, you're now dealing with a player that wants to be recognized as the best. This is why I tell you they really want to win. Once that second contract kicks in and you are practically set on a six, seven-year career, what matters is success. Coaching in the NFL is like, it's like prepping for a complicated legal case every single week. That's what coaching in the NFL is. You study, you cram, you look for every possible angle to get an advantage for that game. Every single week it's like that. The job is about the science, okay? College football is about telling people what they want to hear. F coaching in the NFL is about the science of the game and working like crazy to figure out the science of the game every single week. And the science is most of those players are really close. you got to find one thing that gives you an advantage every single week. And that's what you do. It's the science of the game. The job about the science of you and a coaching staff is finding one-on-one matchups, one-on-one advantages every single week. It's also about your management style to the most important employees. You know, I mean, how, how you talk to one guy is different than how you talk to another. People in management know this. Um, you have to answer to a boss. In college football, Jim Harbaugh would answer to no one. He'll answer to no one. In the NFL, you, you will answer to the owner. You'll win or they'll run your ass out. They don't care. They don't care. In college football, when you're at a football factory, you, you own the place. You own the place. You have no bosses. You are, you think you're the most important person on campus, and in some cases, you probably are. Um, in professional football, it's a smaller business. Money is an object, and the money matters to your boss. It's, uh, it's amazing how different it is. I mean, at places, football factories, you, your shoes and stuff is no object. And nothing, you don't think about how, what, the, what the stuff costs. In the NFL, you know, there's an equipment guy, some trainers. It's a third of the staff, a fourth of the staff that Jim Harbaugh would have in Michigan. Money matters in the NFL a lot. Money matters to your boss. How you spend the money matters to your boss. So you have to deal with the financial, the finances of every single day. You have to deal with the financial realities of a salary cap, and you have to work with the GM to navigate it. 
you have to constantly in the NFL be ready to find players when injuries happen, and they do all the time. They do all the time. You have to be ready at any given notice to find a player. The media grind is brutal. Jim Harbaugh could pop off. He could hide from. He could ignore. He could act like a jackass when he's the emperor at Michigan. In the NFL, they're not going to care. You have to show up at a news conference, and you have to deal with it. Every week. Every week. And in the NFL, this is what a lot of guys, this is why it appeals to someone like Harbaugh. He gets to be the football nerd. He gets to be the football scientist now. Every week, you're a bad break or an injury away from losing, and it doesn't matter who you are. At Michigan, they could screw up countless times and still win seven games, eight games, maybe even more than that. In the NFL, a guy or two gets hurt, you lose that day. You make a stupid mistake, you lose that day. Coaching in the NFL is completely different than the college game. Complete, it's a completely different world. It's a completely different mindset. It's, uh, the accountability level is completely different. And I think I understand now why a lot of guys, especially in the college world of today, it's about, you know, it's about lying. It's about lying to people. And it's about handing out money. And it makes sense the NFL would appeal to a college coach because you finally get to go do the football thing. You try, you get to finally go and try a case. That's what the NFL is. And the margin of error is brutal. It's brutal. That's why those guys look like hell. The margin of error is so small every week. Every week. There are no built-in advantages. Uh, so it's kicked around all day. A lot of people talking about it. Um, I, I, I kind of agree with this. So I think this is on ESPN this morning. I think this is Paul Feinbaum talking about, I mentioned this a while back, that I think at some point Michigan is like, thank you, we're winning, but man, you're a pain in the butt. What does this mean for the Big Ten? It, it, it is a fascinating time for the Big Ten Conference as they bring in the West Coast schools. Here is Michigan, which has been the best team in the Big Ten now the last three years, been in the playoff, wins the championship. What does this mean? It's a big blow, but it's also a relief in some circles, Greeny, because Jim Harbaugh brought so much controversy. That NCAA investigation is still out there. It, it, it has two prongs to it. Without Harbaugh, I think it will abate. Uh, they'll, they'll still get some sort of sanction, but I don't think it will be nearly as serious. And, and the other part of it uh, is the pressure. Uh, Sharon Moore will likely get the job in a couple of days once the uh, legal uh, time period has ended. Uh, he did a phenomenal job. He was a coach for six games last season. He handled himself very well. But it's also worth remembering the road that Jim Harbaugh took to get to this point. Two years ago, exactly, Greeny. Remember, he went to Minnesota to interview. He didn't get the job. And then to get back in the good graces of Michigan officials, he said, that's the last time I will ever interview with the NFL. We saw how much uh, Jim Harbaugh's word is worth. And here he is leaving. <laughs> but the pressure in the Big Ten, interestingly, won't be on Harbaugh's successor, Sharon Moore. It will be on Ryan Day because of having lost to Harbaugh three straight years. He is the beneficiary. He has the best team in the Big Ten. But he better not lose to a first-year coach at Michigan. Yeah, I've thought all along Michigan's best defense, even though they offered the guy a contract, they promised him immunity, I thought all along that Michigan's best defense, and maybe a reasonable defense, was, okay, 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 he cheated. 
He cheated a lot. We had no idea. The people around here had no idea. We got rid of the guy, the porn star guy, and all the other people that were doing the cheating, too. Uh, look, you know, take it easy on us. He's gone. He's out the door. And I think that defense is probably pretty reasonable. And I, I agree with Feinbaum that, that that Jim Harbaugh had so much baggage. It's not going to matter in the NFL. I mean, there's no... He doesn't need to cheat. He can't get away with it. I mean, the NFL doesn't tolerate that kind of BS. Um, so, yeah, in some ways, it, it is a convenient out for the entire Big Ten and for Michigan that the guy that was a constant pain in the butt, a constant slime ball, is is out, and maybe they can avoid the sanctions. And, you know, a lot of people think, I'm not sure I agree, a lot of people think that ultimately the more the more stuff that was found – the more likely it would be that they would lose victories from this past season. I think the argument now is, hey, don't do that to us. That's not fair to these players. Let us keep our championship. The guy that did all that stuff, he's in L.A. now. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Subscribe to the Jeff Ward Show podcast where the aliens are going to come and get you. On 102.7 ESPN. Now back to the Jeff Ward Show. Can't pass it up. I'm going to admit right now that I'm going to be obsessed with it. Just just get used to it. Uh, the crime, I'm sorry, the accident of the century has now gone mainstream. You don't know what I'm talking about? You got to get with it. Jeff is going to go every single day <laughs> until this thing is solved or we have an answer because it's just too weird. So, dude's frozen in another dude's backyard. Let's just start there. The homeowner who said, I had no idea my friends froze in my backyard. The homeowner has his lawyer talking for him. And the family of the guys that froze to death are now saying, are you kidding me? Who's believing this story? Uh, here you go. So first up is, uh, is a report with both the lawyer and a friend of the family talking. And just, just pay close attention. You know, if you're thinking you can't believe it, at this point you need to believe it. Still trying to figure out what happened in the backyard of a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Yeah, three of his friends were found dead after getting together on the night of the Chiefs Chargers game on January 7th. Fox News correspondent C.B. Cotton has more. This is a cover-up. Something's, something's wrong with the, with the picture. Anger and frustration from the families of Ricky Johnson, David Harrington, and Clayton McGinney. Earlier this month, all three men were hanging out at their friend Jordan Willis's home for football Sunday. Two days later, all three were found dead in Willis's backyard, with Willis claiming he never noticed something was wrong. Man up. Now tell us what happened. He knows. He has to know. Willis's attorney says his client saw his friends leave through the front door and then went to bed. He slept most of the morning on Monday. Uh, he got up and at some point he relocated to the bedroom. He got up on Tuesday morning. Um, he works from home. He had no reason to go in the backyard. The victim's families and a fifth friend who'd also been inside the house that night aren't buying it. I'm furious. Everybody's furious. Nobody believes this story. I personally think they got drugged and were drug out the back door and put in the backyard. I want to know exactly what happened. 
While police have not made any arrest and don't suspect foul play, families what? also accuse Willis and his attorney of changing their story. Willis's attorney, however, says his client did nothing wrong. These are his buddies. Had he seen those guys out there, he would have gotten them help immediately. Willis has since moved out of the house. Victim autopsy reports and toxicology results are still pending. In New York, CB Cotton. Fox okay. He saw them walk out the door. So the friends circle around to the backyard and go sit down and die. Yeah, I see. Huh. You guys have a great night. Good night. Thanks for coming over tonight. Wait, what? Why are those lumps in my backyard now? What's going on here? And oh, by the way, where's the girlfriend? Somebody's girlfriend showed up at some point. What's going on with her? You have got to be kidding. At least the families of the dead guys is now saying, you've got to be kidding me. You walked him out the front door. Have a great night, guys. Thank you for coming over and playing Bunko with me. The Chardonnay was delicious. I'm going to go to bed early. And then the guys walk out the door, circle back, and go sit in the backyard and die. Of course they did. Here's another reporter. This reporter is actually out. Now, remember... This is not, it's not, it's not in the country. They're not in, uh, it's not like they climbed Everest. This is a neighborhood with a house on each side, maybe 20 feet on each side. There's a reporter standing out front. Exactly two weeks ago, three men were found dead outside of a home in this neighborhood in the Northland. With still so many questions about the investigation, an attorney for the homeowner wants to set the record straight. And wasn't aware of their, that they were missing uh, until the police knocked on his door Tuesday night. John Pacerno, an attorney retained by the homeowner, says the guys were hanging out at the house after getting tickets to the Chiefs game. He told them that he was going to crash, uh, get some sleep on the couch. He said goodbye to the other three. Um, and it's, he, it was his belief at the time that they left outside through the front door, uh, and that's the last time that he saw them. Paserno said his client works from home and had no idea they were missing or that they were deceased on his porch and in his backyard. Well, this has hit him hard. Uh, if they were in distress, he certainly would have helped them. What is your response to that? I think it's just all lies to cover up his tracks. That's what I believe. I mean, how do you not know that there's three bodies in the back porch and there's two cars in front of you know your house? It makes no sense to me. They all deserve to have this fully checked out. Things are not adding up. The mother of Ricky Johnson's child and the mother of David Harrington think there's a lot more to the story. I don't believe anybody's innocent in this. My son was a grown man. And I love him dearly. And I'm. It, this is tearing me apart. I, but I, want, I have to fight for him now. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. I want justice. Um, it's just, it's heartbreaking. You know, my daughter keeps saying, I miss my dad, I miss my dad. And it's just, my daughter would never see her father again. We now know there was a fifth person who left the home earlier that evening. The homeowner has since moved out, but did consent for police to search the home. This remains a death investigation, not a homicide investigation. In the Northland, Alyssa Jackson, KSHB 41 News. Okay. Hey, everybody. Okay. He moved out? Oh, one of my buddy's cars are doing out front. Huh. I think I'll go back and play some uh, Grand Theft Auto for a while. Oh, my God. There's dead people in the backyard. 
Come on, man. What what, is, what are the cops doing here? I mean, like seriously, how difficult is this? If it's not a homicide, um, and, and and like the the homeowner who's moved out, um, is telling the truth. They walked out the front door, walked to the backyard to sit down and freeze to death. Just saying, that's that's how it would have played out if he's telling the truth. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.